the Koi Gig part on Off The Ball. I don't like it. I want to be up there in Group A. I don't care who we get. We should be up there competed against them. But, you know, as you said, we're going to win that group and then get promoted, hopefully. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB GAA. The Football Pod on Off The Ball. In partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Hello there and you're very welcome along to episode 19 of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. Boys, it hasn't been long since we left each other in Killarney. What was it, Saturday morning? There was no sign of James on Saturday morning, Paddy. He's gone missing, missing an action. We collected the clubs from the house. But Play the there phone was... and do not, do not disturb. Hmm. I did notice that, yeah. Paddy, can we get the 30 second review of where myself and James are at as golfers? <laughs> really, well, I was fine until until Tommy started ramping up the mind games, which was very unfair. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a lovely casual round amongst friends, and you two competitive, down <laughs> ourselves. But uh, it was funny. Your game got better and better the more boomers that was consumed. The swings got a little bit looser, and I tell you, by the back, Tommy of- was pouring it out in the grass. I shouldn't have been allowed to drive a buggy. <laughs> I tell you, there's golfers in there somewhere, lads. There's golfers. You had to ditch there. the buggies. It ran out of juice. Know, the battery thought, was gone out of juice on the way up the hill. I thought that was bad form, James. That was similar enough to the three of us by Saturday night. <laughs> We'd ran out of juice. Ran out of juice. <laughs> all for that crack, boys. But what, uh, Paddy? What you are. I have to say, you are. Well, he's very impressive, James, isn't he? And he got better well, as good. well. The less he could see the ball, the better he got. I think he was about two under there, was he? <laughs> Not to tell everyone. We, we, line up, we lined up on the first. Half the blues. <laughs> we thought we were on the wrong course. We left, we left the we left the lads play through, and they were like just took off off the whites off a completely different tee box, basically. And we were on the blues hacking around. Yeah, Dude, but you didn't even know what course we were meant to be at. Like, <laughs> are we in we the right place here? I thought we were. Yeah, I think we're in the right vicinity. <laughs> in fairness, it was a great post production meeting, and we were well looked after, James. You you sorted that out, didn't you? Got it lined up yeah. for us. It was the Legion golf outing. So, yeah, as always. Only the best. Thanks to Legion for putting up with us. We'll put it that way. And the Flesk for sponsoring. Flesk restaurant for sponsoring the team. Thanks very much. They invite us back. Probably not. (laughs) I think think we have to make a a round of golf mandatory post-road shows. We had a great night, didn't we? It was was great fun. Mark O'Shea was top class. You can listen back to that podcast or catch the YouTube back. I think the highlight of the night was your Paul Galvin, Michal Quirk story. That was my favourite one. And it was true. Like people thought I was, I was telling Porky's there. Absolutely true. So you'd have some to go back. Warmer, some warm up in the dressing room with six studs on, like putting my quirk <laughs> on his back. I still don't know if it's and true, spot. but you'd have, you'd have to go back I and listen. Swear to, the to God, that is true. And it, the most dangerous thing ever. Yeah, yeah, Paddy. Uh, you had to feed up this weekend. Afterwards, did you? You, you took it easy. You watched the games on TV. Um, Galway, your call for Matty Tierney, I can't remember whether it was this year or last year, is coming to fruition. He was awesome for Galway. Yeah, it's just that the challenge for him is to get more consistency in doing that. We know he's the talent. Everyone knows he's the talent. Um, thing with Galway, and it was again yesterday, I know subsequently Paul Joyce has come out and said Shane Walsh was ill, and that's why he took him out. They mm. still haven't managed to get all of those guys combine playing brilliantly up front. Like it was Tierney yesterday, it was Comer the last day, it was Walsh and the all in the final. The day when that all clicks for Galway and they're all hot at the same time, 
what a force they're going to be. But no, for, for Matty Tierney, we didn't expect, we knew it was going to be a big ask for Sligo to get out and out of that game. And they actually started unbelievably well. And you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, they're coming to play here. But that second quarter, Galway just overpowered them. And Tierney, yeah, to the four of it. Um, kind of job done for Galway, to be fair. They move on to the all Ireland series. Their next game's against Tyrone, obviously, on Saturday week. So it's got to ramp up big time for them. But um, no real surprises with how that match panned out on Sunday, unfortunately. It was uh, kind of faded out by half time. Yeah. It was kind of the same with both provincial finals. Myself and James were at the Kerry Clare game as well. And James, it was a frantic first couple of minutes. You know, we know the, the game was played in the backdrop of the very sad passing of Alan Clifford. And th- th- it was messy though at the, at the start. And Kerry settled themselves by fisting over two points over the bar. Yeah. Clare's middle third turnovers, talking to Colin Collins after the game, he was sickened. Like turnovers when they weren't under that much pressure. So I don't know whether what got to them, but Clare certainly didn't put their best foot forward. No, but frantic is the word. And the thing about, about frantic was Clare actually contributed to that by giving away the ball so sloppily. And then Kerry were able to pick off their scores and some of their goals by transitioning off those turnovers. Whereas if Clare had just been a bit safer, a bit more controlled and relaxed and not try to be so kind of chaotic, I think it would have suited their game better because as soon as Kerry turned them over and Clare were out of shape, Kerry had done a lot of work on goal chances over the last couple of weeks and you could tell straight away that they were going to go for the juggler, go for the kill. And their first two points were hand-passed over the bar. They were goal chances. They just mm-hmm. probably fell into the wrong, well, not the wrong hands, but into kind of defenders' hands and their mind. And then the third chance, Clifford rounded his fullback opponent and was given an unbelievably harsh free in. Remember, he, he should have got an advantage and he would have stuck a goal. Some people that said been, that Henry did him for overcarrying, but I thought he just didn't pull it. He just didn't play advantage. It was a weird one. I think what happened was he fouled him the first time. Hmm. Clifford went on and he was giving him the advantage but then he actually fouled him again by pulling the jersey so he didn't give him the advantage the second time he brought the free back okay. so, but even the way Clifford said right I'm taking him on here because sometimes it's easy to say at the start of a game I'll chip the point get myself into the game here we go but he went for the side step went for the goal so that kind of did say say to me the carrier in it for the goals here and just kept on in that in that fashion Yeah um, I thought Kerry were really slick in that first quarter, even though some of their finishing was a little bit off, but I thought their movement, their cohesiveness up front was the best I'd, I'd seen from Kerry to date. Yeah. And maybe you're maybe you're right that that I think they got two, three from turnovers in the first half and, and they would have missed opportunities on top of that as well. So Claire being a little bit sloppy and even up front, Claire had opportunities and the game for Smarris kept mentioning it in, in the commentary of the game as well. You guys wouldn't have heard of being at it, but it was just for Clare to have any sort of chance in that game, they needed to be so clinical themselves up front, mm-hmm. never mind getting into turnovers in the middle third. So Clare being a little bit off it contributed to Kerry really, really punishing them as well. But I thought some of the movement, I think Dara Moynihan's goal, crossfield pass. Ganey could, I agree, Ganey could easily just chip that over. He's in the game with a score. But it was clear, it was like, we're going for goals here. And it was, yeah. and it was a beautiful goal. So I thought Kerry were really slick um, bar maybe the very final aspect they're finishing but some of their interplay up front I thought was the best we've seen from them uh, so far and the same as, as Galway they now go into they play Mayo next <laughs> so, so talk about ramping up 
in terms of intensity and the challenge that's going to be there. It's the first time we'll see Mayo in five weeks mm. since their surprise defeat against against Roscommon and Casabar. So some of these games coming up in the next couple of weeks after the provincial finals are off the charts. Yeah, they're so they're so with tasty, the goal yeah. with the goal chances. It was nice to see the lads actually like maybe take a dummy, compose themselves, and finish with conviction. Like they didn't doubt themselves and say, "Can I slip this to someone for a tap in and miss the chance?" You know, like they they actually, if it if it was on, they went themselves nice and clinical, and they can improve on that as the weeks go on. And then if there is a handy backdoor pass, that'll come as well. But I remember Kerry were were trying to walk the ball into the goal. Couple of times and it cost them before that they took that one pass too many. Sometimes you just need to say, right, maybe I can dummy pass this fella and just ping it in the corner. So a yeah. couple of them did that, and I thought that was very impressive. Yeah, we were wasn't big, big feedback from the Tipperary game that they didn't create these goal chances by the yeah. And it was clear that a couple of weeks it was like, right, we are going after this. And similar to the Connacht final by half time, the game was was done and dusted. So second half of both those provincial finals were Pretty much non-events, but for for Kerry and Galway, they've ticked the boxes. Confidence is up, and they're ready to rock for um for two weeks time to start the All Ireland series. Yeah, there's a there's a very good Twitter account I've noticed it over the last couple of weeks and months. It's at No Plan B G A. It's called the G A Performance Process, and they've broken down the five goals that Kerry scored at the weekend. And it's the runs into vacated space, things we've talked about before. The the dummy, the bounce dummy that they all use, kind of basketball skills. The ball carrier, that time when Paddy put the hands up and said, go into David. And he dropped it into David and he caught it in the air. Uh, and the backdoor cuts. So we, we saw that throughout with all five goals. James, looking on from above, was it was it just that Kerry were on it? And one of the things you mentioned was the kind of the physicality stakes where, you know, Kerry were much more physical and you could see yes. that. Was it that they were on it, that they just ripped the Clare defence asunder or was it more a deficiency on, on Clare's part, do you think? No, I think I think the Kerry are operating off a different page of the book. Do you know what I mean? Like Kerry just looked way slicker, way sharper. But you still need to practice those things a lot. So the physicality, that's been going on probably for, for five or six years under Jason McGann. And you can tell that every time Clare took the ball into any type of contact, Kerry were there with their chest up and just putting the, the Clare lads under pressure and not letting them ex- execute any sort of a dangerous skill. Like they, they weren't able to kick pass. They were all just kind of hand-passing short because they were all under so much pressure physically. And then once you have the mindset of we're going for goals and you've probably practiced some of those moves on the warm weather training camp, as we mentioned, once you kind of have those patterns of play in your head, then when you do physically turn someone over, you, you can go straight into it. You know, rather than going for maybe the safer option of a point. So, like, those skills are always there in the top teams. But if you don't keep going back to them, keep reminding fellas, physicality gives us more of the ball. When you get it, first thought in your head should be, can I kick as close to that goal as possible? And when you do get the ball in there, first cho- first choice in your head should be, is there a goal on? Yeah, yeah. The... It was a pity. There were the two games that were live at the weekend on, on Sunday. The competitiveness really just wasn't there and uh, I suppose we've seen that with the provincials the lopsider nature of them for years and years and years the reason why 1992 for Clare was such a big deal is that it's so rare it's only happened twice they've beaten Kerry in a, or they've won Munster finals Um, for Sligo and for Clare heading into the round robin group stage Clare have done a goal at home in the first game is that a good fixture for them to have? That's Paddy? a good game, sure. 
In terms of the draws they could have got, that is an opportunity for Colin Collins and that Clare team to bounce back. I, I can see why they're frustrated, but yes, I think they're better than that. I, I think even Clare at their absolute best are probably not going to be Kerry. That's the reality of it. That's just the nature of where Kerry are at. Um, but if Clare put in their best performance of the season, I think, and in Ennis as well against Donegal, I think that's a massive opportunity for them to get a big, big win under their belts. Donegal are obviously, after their, their kind of really disappointing loss to, to down in the Ulster Championship up in Uri, they've had a couple of weeks themselves to lick their wounds and try and work on things under Aidan O'Rourke. And that's the interesting thing with the All-Ireland series. For those teams that were beaten early in the provincial championships, they've had that window we haven't seen them for, for the go to three weeks, four weeks, mm-hmm. five weeks in some instances. What is their bounce back going to be like? And it's, you know, it's not the worst game for Donegal either. I, I think that's an even match. Um, but they'd be thinking if we can go and get an away win in our first game, we could still have some sort of positive aspect to take from this championship because it's been pretty dour, obviously, for Donegal through 2023 to date. But for Colin Collins and Clare, that's not a bad game. They're at home. And they're against the team who are not really in top form. So, yeah. like I said, there's going to be so many games starting from from Saturday week onwards when, when the, the All-Ireland series kicks off. But for Clare and Sligo yesterday, I think they're up against the two of the best teams in the country. That, yeah. that, that was going to be a massive ask for them to get anything out of either of those games. And, and that's how it transpired, really. They are the contenders and James, we spoke about it on our post-match chat that you can find in the Off The Ball GA feed or on the Off The Ball YouTube. Some of the positives for Clare and some of the things that you notice looking at their attack and play that, you know, they have good individuals there but they're maybe getting in their way, their own way a little bit at times. Um, So you can go check out that. I have a question on what you want to see from Dublin, Paddy, this weekend because we kind of see Kerry work on the the things they needed to work on after the Tipperary game create the goal chances yes Jack O'Connor won't be happy with the amount of scores they conceded we saw Galway after a maybe a slow enough start where Sligo kind of settled take over and boss that game Ian Burke I thought was really impressive again kicked a couple of nice points from play Tierney kicked 2-7 you said it yourself all six haven't clicked yet but they're moving in the right direction Dublin we felt looked a little undercooked against Kildare We've spoken a lot about the off-field chat about Dublin Kildare. What do you need to see from Dublin this weekend against Loud in the Leinster final? More like the first day out against Leash, where it was really direct, it was really fast, albeit against like a poor Leash team. And to be fair, Kildare had the homework done. We spoke about this last week. The Kildare were not going to allow this kind of just loads of space in front of their, in their full back line and things like that. So Dublin, I think they're going to face more of that challenge on Sunday with Loud. I was surprised at how maybe advanced Loudware in their, in their game against Offaly. I think Offaly really targeted fast transitions and direct ball inside and caused Loud issues. I would expect Loud to be a bit more conservative in their setup. What were, you, what were you surprised by? I, I thought Loud were a little bit more open than I would have expected yeah. uh, against Offaly. I, don't, I would be very, very surprised if they adopt that approach on Sunday in Crow Park against Dublin. I think the challenge Dublin will face is similar to what they had against Kildare. But you're hoping that Dublin, look, they're bounced back from their loss in Celtic Park to Derry, where the second half was really poor, it was really slow, it was back to Dublin being really pedestrian on the ball and in their attack. Over the next couple of weeks through the National League, they, they completely picked up on that. They, they learned from that game which is what we're saying Kerry have shown at the weekend. You're hoping that Dublin take the field in Crow Park and they've looked at the last two weeks 
the the sloppiness in attack, the no real cohesion up front in their attack, particularly in the first half, and just slow on the ball. That that pace, that edge in their attack wasn't there. They're fully aware of that from the Calera match. They reviewed it. And you're hoping as a Dublin supporter to see on Sunday in Crow Park, whatever setup loud bring, that Dublin are just far slicker and far more cohesive in attack. And it'd be interesting, I think the big thing, what's the team going to be? Because mm. Dublin seem to be, it's not all just injuries and things like that. They seem to be shuffling their pack around in the last couple of weeks. Are we going to see the best 15 players available on the pitch on Sunday? Because it's getting into that stage. And what we've seen at the weekend just gone. Kerry, Okay, it wasn't perfect, but there was a noticeable step up from what, what we've seen at any stage this year from Kerry to what we've seen in the Gaelic rounds yesterday. And the same, like you've said, with Galway. They've come through a really good kind of championship um, and kind of swatted aside Sligo. I think they're the two of the main contenders. You're hoping Dublin can do that with their game against Loud. But it's not as a, it's not as straightforward as you would have thought maybe two or three months ago if this was the last I think the two the two to come in Paddy say into that starting 15 for Dublin right if I'm just going through the team that started against Kildare it's McCaffrey and Howard really that you'd like to see that would really strengthen them I think like everyone else every, apart from that, James, that it is not seen yeah. much game to, even off no. the bench McCaffrey you would imagine if he's injury free what a perfect tool to have against a set defence that that yeah. rock is. Do we see Costello from the start? Rock. That's the we, we don't know. And maybe Dublin don't want anyone to know, which might be part of it as well. But in terms of I'd love to see the best 15 players available on it and set out a big statement going into the All Ireland series on Sunday. I think we all want to see that. It's so surprising why Howard is not starting. Or even getting game time. Costello, you know, fair enough, Costello's kind of been in a, in and out of the team under different managers. Um, and can be a brilliant sub and obviously McCaffrey would probably start as the year goes on but because Dublin struggles so much against that kind of not blanket defence but Kildare got a lot of bodies behind the ball Kildare are, are louder going to be even better at that so you've spoken like, before about you'd be, you'd be concerned that they don't have three or four to come in to strengthen they probably have those two you mm. know from, from his strongest team James can I ask you what would as a neutral observer, what would please you? What would what would make you happy that Dublin are further along than what you would think they are at the minute at the weekend? What do you need to see? I actually would like to see them open up a bit, like Kerry did the weekend, in terms of just go for go for something maybe off the cuff, go for more long range passing backdoor cuts, go for. A, a, a cornerback running all the way into the full forward line again like Philly used to do and these fellas like I think it's just very not conservative but very predictable by Dublin in attack and they're trying to do a certain thing they've obviously done a lot of drills in coaching how to work the shot but I mean you only have to watch a couple of videos to figure out what a team is trying to do whereas if you have the unpredictable players where they could literally throw a dummy and throw an outside of the boot to the far post that completely messes with the defence because they they haven't worked on defending that at all. But I think the Dublin have lost that unpredictability. They're just a bit bit slow and a bit kind of lethargic at the moment in attack. We said it, if you look through their, their struggles in 2022 through the National League when they were poor, a couple of their games in this year's National League, when Dublin are, are pedestrian on the ball, and there's, 
I, I agree when there's not that variety in attack, when mm-hmm. there's not that risk in their play, and they're so used to playing a certain way that have brought loads and loads of success. But if you're saying what suits this group of Dublin players now, if you have a full forward line of Mannion, uh, Costello, Conor Callum, like anyone like that, you want to get them the ball as much as you can, as fast as you can. And that's, but it, that's runners from deep, it's long kick pass, and it's more risk in your play. And that's, I, I agree, is it, even as I'm not a neutral, but if I was a neutral, that's what I'd like to watch. I'd like to see these marquee forwards get try and get manufactured one-on-ones and get the ball up the pitch really quickly. When Dublin do that, they're one of the top teams in the country, 100%. And they have the capability of doing it. But we've seen the issue with Dublin when they're not at their best, it is overly conservative. It's overly passive in attack. And now they're going to try and create that environment where they're going to try and flood those channels and make it really difficult for Dublin to do that. But if we're talking about Dublin as all Ireland contenders and winning this whole thing, we need to start seeing even snippets of this starting on Sunday. We don't need a full 70-minute performance, but I'd love to see some really direct attacking play from them. And as well, not just on the attacking side, I thought defensively, their discipline against Kildare, they were giving away a lot of cheap freeze, things like that. I think as an overall performance, there's so much area for improvement from Dublin from two weeks ago. That's what I'm looking for this weekend and a good result, obviously. Yeah, the thing is, if Dublin beat loud, as the bookies would expect this weekend, they enter a group with Sligo, Roscom and Kildare. So, as you said, we don't need to see everything, but you'd like to see something small because there is four games until, hypothetically, you're in a, an All-Ireland quarterfinal when really, which is the thing with this championship, the season properly gets going because we are playing 24 matches now after this weekend to knock out why, just four teams. They need to they need to start playing their, their very best team and their very best way because the games the are going to start now. running out. Yeah. Like that group, that group is not, is not a difficult group. I mean, that's being nice, very nice. That group is cat. Larry and, and Paddy. Larry, <laughs> Larry McCarthy and Paddy did well now for that group for Dublin. He did, but like that's I Dublin. Dublin are all I'm getting is abuse from all angles. For I know, you poor Raw, thing. Crow Park, Diego. <laughs> I can't turn on anything these days. <laughs> Switch off the notifications, Paddy. That's all my angles. advice to you. Cut down everything. I but Dublin, right? Work. Look at look at Dublin, Paddy. They're going to get, if they get through that group, which... They will like another no division two. Sport, it's another division two. They're going to get either another division two. Mayo. They'll get a Mayo or a Tyrone or a Galway. And even if it is one of those teams, like that's a very tough quarterfinal there. Very tough quarterfinal. So they're going to have a very tough quarterfinal, very tough semifinal to get to a final. And they're going to be caught there. They're going to be completely undercooked. James, I, I feel like everyone else from Kerry working in the media hears James O'Donoghue and thinks why is he not on brief why is he not on message like you are so refreshingly consistent in your doubts around Dublin I love it <laughs> I told you everyone in Kerry is a closet Dublin fan they're afraid to say anything out the way I didn't think that was the case last Thursday night no. Uh, Paddy, you were loved. <laughs> you were loved, Paddy. Um, I just felt, I just saw Marco Shea casting eyes towards you a few times, saying, "James, would you shut up? Would you?" So, yeah, yeah. listen, you're going to no. get you're going to get the, real the legit analysis from, on the pod. The threats are coming from other directions. They're coming from from Galway. I think Galway are, and don't forget are the North. Realistic, yeah, the ones to beat. Then you've Derry and Tyrone are going to be very dangerous. Armagh, 
All these teams are coming. Yeah, 100%. I, I think the, the wrap up on the Leinster final is something mm. I'm interested to see Loud's approach from the get-go. Can they get Sam Roy and Downey and these guys who are sharp, sharp shooters? Can they cause trouble for that Dublin defence? And how do Dublin deal with Loud's defensive setup? Because I, I agree with parts of what James is saying. Not all of it, definitely not. But with parts of it, I think you want to see some sort of credentials from Dublin as all Ireland contenders this Sunday. Some sort of statement. Because yeah. we've seen it against Leash. And then we've seen nearly the exact opposite against Kildare two weeks later. What are we going to see this this Sunday? Because yeah. you don't like any of the top teams and they're talking about winning the all Ireland. You don't want loads of inconsistency that can come back to bite you. You want to start seeing the real deal. For sure. We've um we're gonna have a, a look at the Ulster final after the break. Might have a little chat about GA Go as well. The fixtures that have been confirmed in the round robin are Claire and Donegal on Saturday the twentieth of May. Uh, that's in Ennis, Kerry Mayo in Fitzgerald Stadium on GA Go, Galway Tyrone in Pierce Stadium on GA Go, and on Sunday, uh Sligo and Kildare. So Sligo have a home game against Kildare. So they're four interesting games. Are you going back to Kerry with the looks of things? You will be, yeah. <laughs> you might get a flight this time rather than driving, will you? I think that's probably safer, it's, yes. It's a long road. Next weekend, we obviously have the two provincial finals um, in Ulster and in Leinster. And in the Talchon Cup, we've got Cavanleash, Limerick, Longford, Down Waterford, Mead and Tipperary on Saturday. And on Sunday, we have got Fermanagh, Wexford, Antrim, Leitrim, Offaly, London and Wicklow, Carlow. The under-20 final is also this weekend and it's a fairly novel pairing. Sligo will be taking on Kildare. Um, uh, two low enough scoring games at the weekend. Jack McKevitt's wonder score as the clock hit the red for Kildare got them over the line. So your buddy, Paddy, will be very pleased with that. And Kildare, they've had a good run of things over the last little while. Brilliant coach. Brilliant coach. Back-to-back Leinsters. They were, I think to be fair, there was no real doubts in the other in the final last year with Tyrone, obviously spearheaded by young Canavan. They were full value for that win. Uh, but Brian Flanagan's done an incredible job with, with Kildare. It was looking touch and go. Yeah. That Laverty was going to pull it off with down in Parnell Park on Saturday night. They were both them, um, they were cagey enough games, both of them. Yeah. They, um, to be fair, but whatever about what happened at Parnell Park, the, the fairy tale story and that for, for Tomas O'Shea and his Kerry team, but Sligo. That is some runner on Sensation. and what a fairy tale for them in the all the final. It hasn't been confirmed where that's going to be. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just check, has it not? Yeah, um, yeah. But that's like Sligo have beaten Roscommon, Galway, Mayo, Kerry. Mm. The big dogs. Yeah. yeah. Savage run. It's unbelievable. Savage and run. like, there'll be a lot of disappointment in Kerry, obviously, um, James, because like, um, there was a, you know, a, a very strong management team there. They had a strong team themselves. Um, but like that Sligo team just cannot be underestimated like that, they are building something very special in Sligo they are they are just like I think that would that winning this championship would take Sligo to a new level I think in terms of confidence in the whole county they'd have they'd have this massive achievement of winning sometimes I look at it differently in the bigger counties as we said before and when saying a Kerry team winning a minor or a 20 or a Dublin that you can just you think you're you're definitely going to make it at that case then. Do you know, whereas I think the Sligo would have the opposite. They'd be, they'd have, you know, the the grit to go on to senior level and take over. As you could even hear in that speech from the, from the Connacht, you know, they have, they have this mindset of we're, we're on this long-term journey, I think, where sometimes with 20s, with the bigger teams, you know, you might, 
you might just get a bit ahead of yourself if you get too successful at that level. So mm-hmm. I, I think the Kerry can can definitely see potential in four or five of those young lads yeah. who if yeah. they get if they get the the grip between their their teeth like Sligo did, they can go on to to good things. Isn't that the challenge, boys? Like, awfully won the twenties only a couple of years ago. And we haven't seen there's so much excitement with that because it was a novel victory, like it would be for like like Kildare haven't won a whole pile in terms of all Ireland titles either. So it'd be massive for either one of these counties on Saturday, whoever gets over the line. But it's that that secret formula of of turning that in, Tommy, your own county, obviously yeah. winning the number seventeen title. And how do we get these guys into the senior setup, keep them involved, and get them up to? top speed sooner rather than later because probably haven't seen it with Offaly really as of yet and it, Pearson. Big, we, we know it's a big step up you, you know but, but Tommy in a county like Offaly winning it or if Sligo win it yeah. or Kildare even it goes it's the opposite of Jimmy's point that if Kerry or Dublin win it you only need maybe one or two of these guys to come up because there's yeah. already a huge base of quality in the senior setup. whereas in, in counties where they don't have that senior team that's excelling you need more. Sure. <laughs> you need seven or eight or ten of these All Ireland yeah. winners to come in and be the backbone of your senior team. So that's the challenge constantly. With I agree, with whoever wins on Saturday, the confidence you get as a county. Look, I'll be rooting for Kildare because their coach is a good friend of mine. But but I think it'd be an incredible story for Sligo to come and win it. Well, what a fairy tale story that would be, and even. There's green shoots there, obviously, under Tony McAtee, what he's doing to win the Division 4 title. Sunday didn't go well for him, but Sligo were at the top table for the summer. Mm. They were a 20s team in the all Ireland, did a schools team in the Hogan Cup final, and their senior team was playing in the Sam Maguire. So Sligo need to just try and convert that and make that a sustainable, it's not just the summer of 2023, it's the next five summers or 10 summers when we're in, in that bracket as well. But I think it's a fascinating pairing on Saturday. Uh, looking forward to seeing it, yeah. Yeah, it's actually in Kingspan Breffany Park in Cavan yeah. at half one. It's live on TG Carr. So that's a game we're keeping an eye out for. It def- they're definitely were cagey games. I thought some of the individual performances though, like Shane Farrell from Kildare was, i just big fan of this guy. A couple of years in a row, seen him under 20s. Or a Murdoch. You can see why they're excited about him and down at senior level. Um, some of the Kerry lads, obviously, and, and in Sligo as well, we've seen some of their stars over the last couple of weeks. So keep an eye on that game at the weekend. Uh, last word before we hit the break, James. When the final whistle went yesterday afternoon and the Potty Clifford, the, the Potty and David Clifford had put in the performance that they did in the circumstances that they played that game yesterday, we saw Michal Quirk go over at full time and just shepherd David off the pitch. Because, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of kids there that mightn't have understood the situation. And it looked for a second, I was worried that he was going to be swarmed by everybody. But Quirk got him off the field. Potty was kind of escorted off the pitch. David went up and... and accepted the trophy and didn't say anything. But um, you must have been very proud looking down at how they conducted themselves and how they were all kind of looked after on the day. Yeah, 100%. I thought it was very good of, of Mike Quirk to go in and take David and Potty, just get them out of get them out of the, of the firing line just for those few minutes because obviously everyone wants a piece of them at different times. But like such an unbelievable difficult time for the two lads and their whole family. And for them to show the leadership the courage, the mental strength to go in and represent Kerry in a monster final with all the pressure that's on them anyway, I just thought was a great testament to the two lads and they're just solid as a rock. And um, it also, it's a good sign of the the Kerry dressing room that they wanted to go in and 
and be with the lads and be together and be in that safe space because you know sometimes you might not want to um want to be in in you know in that kind of a situation but it was a good sign with the with the two lads going back in so um yeah they're a credit to to everyone and to Kerry. So I'd echo 100% that it was obviously it's tragic news when we heard on Saturday morning I suppose the big thing was what the two guys want to do themselves or, or the family want to do so, so when you seen the, the two lads were lining out just goes to say show what what they mean to Kerry what Kerry means to, to those guys they're, they're obviously massive leaders and, and brilliant players within that team but for them to go out 24 hours after and put in the performance that both of them did I thought was incredible testament to themselves Um to their family, obviously, at yeah, just a really, really tough time across the board. And I'm sure that the Kerry GA community, but across the, the country, we, we said this before, the GA is a really tight-knit community. And there'll be huge respect, obviously, for, for the two guys and, and their families. So uh, hopefully they'll hold up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts with them all. That's it uh, for the moment from the football. We'll be back in a moment uh, talking about the Ulster final and looking ahead to a few of the other games this weekend. You're very welcome back to episode 19 of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. Big thank you once again to everyone who came out to our live show the last day. Um, I know some people couldn't get tickets. There were over 500 at it in the Great Southern Hotel. We were well looked after by the hotel themselves. We had a great team on the night with Off The Ball helping us put the show together. You can watch it all back. James, Paddy, Mark O'Shea were all in top form too. So go enjoy that and we will let you know when we have our next roadshow confirmed. We'll be... Uh, you know, keeping an eye out over the summer. So that was brought to you with thanks to AIB. The pod is brought to you every week with thanks to AIB. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. Proud sponsor of the Senior Football Championship. James, I know that you like that line. Paddy, did you get a call from Joe Duffy today? <laughs> when a story makes live line, you know it's got a bit of cut through. The debate... got a lot of updates, a lot of yeah. calls. So uh, the debate about GA go... And I suppose streaming service. And I, I suppose not just GA Go. It's about games being behind the paywall, really. Uh, it was lit last night, especially by Donald Cusack. And at the moment, the debate is centred around hurling and the Monster Hurling Championship. And in case anyone doesn't know, Paddy, you're a pundit on GA Go at the minute. So we're going to talk about it for a few minutes. Like, what do, what do you make of it? What do you make of it all? I... Look, it's hard to disagree with a lot of what Donald O'Cusick said on the Sunday game last night. He's very passionate about it, obviously. And we've seen arguably the three best games of the hurling season have been on over the last three weekends in Benoji Eco. That's the, the reality. The Tip Clare game and then it's the first weekend. The classic in the Gaelic rounds then, full house between Clare getting the better of Limerick. And then Saturday night again in a packed porky queef between Cork and Tip. So, I can see why hurling people are frustrated with that, that we've had these incredible games and they haven't been on free-to-air TV. I think there's a wider issue here, right? Um, the structures in the championship have been changed. Obviously, round-robin stuff in the hurling championship um, and also then the senior football championship, a completely new criteria, which was being cried out for across the board to have more competitive games. So straight away, there's over 70 more championship games are being on throughout the summer. So that, that that was a major issue for the GAA to try and rectify the structures of the championship. The other thing, the other major issue they had to fix was the club versus county issue. So they've got all these 70 more championship games, but they've also got condensed the inter-county season by two months. So they've got a shorter time frame 
to play way more matches. So there was always going to be an issue and these things are in their infancy in terms of the new structures and the schedule. There was going to be an issue where loads of games are going to be on at the same time and how are we, what, what is the platform to show all of these games? RTE has been at the face of the Sunday game for decades. They are not an exclusive sports channel. So you can't turn around and say, have all day Saturday and all day Sunday exclusively dedicated an RT1 and 2 to the GA Championship. I don't think that's feasible. When there was no other partner involved in terms of free-to-air TV, like a Virgin Media or someone like that, it's a small market in Ireland. Yeah, That was always going to be an issue. There's a need for another platform there. Sky obviously left the market and that's where GA Go has stepped in. I think it is an issue for people that there's so many games and some have to be behind a subscription service. And that's the crux of the matter is, is that people are kind of frustrated that they're having to pay for these games. But I think that's just the future of television, the subscription services. That's like the paywall debate came in nine years ago with Sky. And I think we kind of crossed that bridge at the time. And I, that decision was made. Yeah. It was There was never really going to be going back on that regard. And the other issue for people as well, and this is not a GA Go issue. I think it's... Irish society it's a streaming service so broadband connectivity at fine in cities and things like that but when you're going down in, into more rural places where people want to watch these games and, and the connectivity isn't good enough mm. or you're trying to stream live sport that's an issue as well so I think there's a number of different issues at play I think there's a need to have this service 100% and that's, I'm proud to be part of, of the GDA Go story what we're trying to bring as many games to as many people as we can. The paywall thing, I don't think there is ever going to be going back on that. That is just the nature of it. There is a need for a, a GAA Go or GAA specific channel because there's so many games on. But in the first couple of weeks, the fact that some of the biggest games have been on GAA Go is unfortunate for the hurling community. But we're going to start seeing this in the football side of things as well with some massive football games for sure. next week as well so where do we there's so many games they have to be played in such a condensed period of time what's the alternative where do we put it all on free to air I think that ship sailed 10 years ago well, I, I suppose the frustration from, from reading through what Cusack is saying and I, th- I think the frustration is here that certain games should be free to air and the biggest games I, that's I understand that but at the same time if GA Go is going to be a commercial success you've got to entice people in and people are saying why didn't they put the provincial finals on GA Go yesterday to be fair now we all kind of expected those provincial finals to be quite lopsided and you're not going to sell subscriptions with lopsidedness so there's a just there's a balance here that maybe hasn't been struck between RTE the, the public service broadcaster and GA Go, which is, in my opinion, it is also the future because like we have cried out for years that there aren't enough games being streamed, enough games on television. The pandemic hit. We started seeing club games being streamed, all this, that and the other. And it's easy for the likes of myself to, I'm 30, to set up subscriptions, log in, set up as many as I want. But whether you have grandparents or uncles that aren't as au fait with internet. Paddy, we have tech issues every week with your mic. I don't know how you'd be getting out of it. I'm not au fait with it. You know what I mean? But like for a lot of people, it's going to be a massive challenge. So I just wonder, is there a better onboarding experience or something that can be done to get people on board? I know that there was a, a really 
there was a there was a nice thing at the start that clubs could put it on in the clubhouse or that um care homes would get it free of charge and and that was done but like Geo isn't going to go away it's going to be here for the next 10 15 20 years i i suppose it's just the balance and that balance early doors i know Noel Quinn was speaking today that the Limerick Clare game was initially meant to be on a sunday and because of the great Limerick run it was moved at short notice to the saturday and then Geo picked it up the reality is some of these games would not have been on Sky, TG Cahar, or RTE if GA Gold didn't that. exist. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that because there's so many games now, there needs to be alternative platforms away from just RTE, which is not a specific sports channel. The alternative is no games, and we don't see any of them. So yeah. I, I agree the balance of the fixtures being chosen is has caused issues here that you've got unbelievable. Once the hurling championship games with one of the few competitions left the GAA, GAA where you know there's guaranteed this is going to be an absolute belter of a game. But the GAA have said, sat down, let's ring fence the provincial championship finals and hurling and football. They all are in the semi-finals and finals, that they're all on free to air over some other types of games. And the way it's panned out the draw some of those provincial finals like we've seen yesterday the Munster Hurling is just sacrosanct and they are the, literally yeah. like they are the biggest games like we we got so excited about the league lads in, and I wasn't the greatest league in football but we got very excited about games in the league Hurling the, Hur- the Hurling community don't care about the league they just yeah. don't and they don't get excited about it they don't read into it the way that we read into the football league we have another league kicking in now with the round robin and the football I just think the Hurling Championship They've snookered themselves a little bit and they are the biggest games, those monster round robin games that I can totally see the frustrations, but like I can see both sides of it as well. James, what what do you think? Like if like Mayo Kerry, you're you have got a 30 second doddle down to Killarney to watch that game, but for others around the country that wanted to watch it, like how do you feel about this debate? Well, I agree with both of you actually to an extent, right? But Tommy, you made an interesting point there about how GA Go have actually kind of sold their product. I I don't think that it's out there how accessible that actually is. Like it's, some people kind of treat GA Go as if, oh, once it's on GA Go, we can't watch it. You know, they've just kind of written it off before giving it a go at all. Because how would you actually advertise GA Go? RT aren't going to advertise it. You know, like it has to be, has to be in different sections. But I remember watching the Sunday game sometimes and there'd be a shitty little camera up in the up in the corner of the stand and you'd be watching through a hazy, foggy camera and you wouldn't see a thing. But now all the games are going to be somewhere anyway. They're going to be televised. It's only going to be a good thing. But I think Diego have a job to do. Put, put, to your, turn Todd, the tide put your Todd Bowley hat on. What are you going to do to market it a bit better, James? Let's hear you. I think they have to, to let people know how easy it is to actually do it. Yeah. Advertise the cost of it, it, like some of the games are very expensive for a once-off game. They have to probably come out of that scene and into the annual subscription. That's what they're probably because, trying to push because it is it is probably 12 quid a game, but season pass but, for Christmas okay, it works out at one one fifty a match if you were to get the season pass, you know? So exactly. I think, I I think you're right that, though. I did not hear that once. I did yeah, not hear anyone Paddy. actually, it, I didn't hear any anything come out about if you sign up for this, each game will end up costing this amount. have to come out and explain the ease of this. And if it's not easy enough, they have to make it easier. And it, that's their responsibility because there is going to be a little bit of, of fighting against this. So that's their main responsibility. They're going to be, they're going to have this great service where every game is on it, but they need to advertise it and make everyone know how easy it is. I have an idea. Target 
the youth of the country, your under 16, under 18 players and incentivize them to teach your granny and granddad how to watch Diego. <laughs> There's your marketing campaign. That's what you put your money into Diego over the next year. But do you know, do you know what? Like th- this is a brand, this is a new thing. Like yeah. Diego was absolutely for customers abroad, living away, Irish yes. people. This is the first time it's brought in. There was a big promotion in terms of the unbelievable deal in terms of getting the subscription before Christmas, where the cost is less than two euro for every single game. Um, yeah. But no one it's, knew it's only now that it was going to cost didn't... 17 euro for an individual one. Oh, oh I agree. I looked at that is excessive. But I think the future is where people, I think that's why I think this debate is good to have now. That we can see these are the amount of games that are going to be on the platform. Sure, we were talking four or five weeks ago, lads, and people didn't even understand the new structures of the championship. Yeah. Never mind where it was going to be broadcast. So yeah. there's so much change. And that's the point of making with fixtures more fixtures, more games, the structure of the championship, the broadcasting deals that we're on. I think it's clear now there's a need for Diego. I agree. It, it's a responsibility to make it as accessible as possible, as easily downloadable as possible. And then when you get into the streaming aspects for for maybe rural areas that don't have that ultra-fast ultra, ultra fast fiber broadband, that's nearly a government issue to try and bring that up to speed. But I think, there, there, without a doubt, there's a need for Diego. I think people, this debate is healthy to have because I think people will want to subscribe to it, but it needs to be made a little bit easier for people as well. But in terms of the coverage, we're trying to promote with Diego. We want to show as many games and bring as many games to supporters around the country as possible and do it in a really good way in terms of how we produce it, how we show the games, the whole product. That's It's a new thing. There was always going to be these issues, um, but I think it's clear now people understand if I want to watch as many games as I'd like throughout the summer, well, then I'm going to need to get on board with Diego. So I, I agree. I don't think it's going anywhere, lads. This no, is going to be the future. Yeah. I think I that people do want to to kind of naturally err against it. Do you know, it's like our initial reaction is, oh, I don't I don't like the sound of that. Do you know? Whereas I That's think... That's the Irish thing, Jimmy. It is a bit. It is a bit. But I think there was... I'm in a group chat and there was... That was the, he was about 40 and he said, geez, that Kerry Mayo game is on Diego. Pity. I would have loved to watch it. I was like, why can you not watch it? It's just kind of, no, I'd rather have the argument that Diego shouldn't exist at all rather than go to a small bit of effort to get it. But I think we just have to change our mindset on it because in the long yeah. run, it will definitely be definitely beneficial to all of us. And I think it'll actually, it'll be another day because we're going to touch on the Ulster final now and James, I'm going to let you go to training because I know you're under pressure, but so I'll come to you first on that. This is a conversation for another day, but Cormac O'Malley, uh, a Mayo man on Twitter who would be involved in working in and around social media and stuff like that. He made a great point, I thought. And it was around the promotion of the game and the accessibility of the game. And he said, you know, football has been behind the paywall for how many years? But player p- kids discover their stars, their superstars, their heroes nowadays on the likes of FIFA, on TikTok, on Instagram, on clips on YouTube. And I went, like, lads, we might have a chat about that again. The way that the NFL market their game, the way the soccer market their game, the GA are starting to get a little bit better, but like there is miles and miles and miles that they can go I'm with that. Way so, behind. Way we, behind. We, there's so much more we can do with that. And even like having clips up and stuff on, on TikTok. And we'll, we'll yeah, get we there with Todd it. Bowley on a road show. Todd Bowley is going to host next week's pod. That is what we're going to do. The only man for this gig, lads. Yeah, absolutely. 
let's get to the Ulster final. James, I'm going to start with you. And if you have to go, James, myself and Paddy can finish on it. So uh, to anyone watching along, if James disappears on the screen, uh, we'll let you know. Otherwise, I'll just say good luck to you later on. Um, Derry Armada this weekend is probably going to be, let's call it a spade a spade, the most interesting provincial final we've had um, this year. So what way do you see this going? Derry defending champions. Armagh have had such a bad record in Ulster under McGinney, but could they turn it around? I've said this so many times over the weekend that if you get into predicting these games, our predictions are all over the place. It's so difficult to call these games. It's so difficult. And in fairness, we've criticised Derry in the past for their attack. I think it has improved. I think they've gotten better at what they were doing rather than kind of implemented anything amazing that's new. So I think that Armagh will know Derry very well. Armagh have gone back to absolutely route one attractive attacking football. I'm looking forward to seeing how Derry can cope with that. They'll they'll obviously get bodies back, but the two difference in styles will be very entertaining. And all those other championship games so far, they've been high scoring. You know, they all kind of know how to get around a mass defence or the low block, as they call it in soccer. So, like, I think that Armagh going long will cause Derry some serious problems. And if Armagh can just figure out how to stop Derry getting a goal or two, I think that Derry could struggle to get enough points. Any team, we said this to a fellow I work with today, any team that comes down to Tralee and should have should beaten Kerry in Tralee, it was a poor game, but you can tell that, that Armagh were going down to, to Tralee to show that they can actually be resilient and stick in a game and show that dogged style. They kind of banked that. Then they brought the football into it in the championship. If they can get those two things right, which I hope they can, I think that we could see a very good Armagh display. Um, obviously, Derry are probably going to go in as favourites, but mm. Armagh's tactics could cause Derry some serious problems. Could make it interesting. Paddy, what way are you looking at this? I agree with a lot of what James said. It, it's a contrast of styles of what we're seeing in the championship today. Armagh definitely have gone back towards, we said, back to the future in, in their style playing the three Ulster championship matches today. They've got a few more foils and a bit more of a scoring thread outside of Reno O'Neill, which was important for them to find. And I think the interesting thing, Derry, I've watched Derry a number of times this year, it was up at their last game, obviously against Monaghan as well. They attack together and they defend together. Mm-hmm. But if you turn that Derry defence over, like there was plenty of times in their game in Healy Park against Monaghan a couple of weeks ago where 14 of their players are inside the opposition 65. It's 15 and 15, isn't it? So, like It's not like they're this idea that Derry are really defensive and we'll have 15 guys sitting back there and it's like, we're going to bore you to death. They're attacking the game as well. And it's in that instance, how do Armagh counteract that? Because the way to beat that is transition really, really quickly. And that's what Armagh have been, that's what they've been showing. I think it suits Armagh, but the players they have as well. So I think that's a fascinating thing. How brave are Armagh in terms of keeping the likes of Turbot and Mernon up the pitch? And it's basically let Derry come on to them and play on the counter-attack. Um, what do Derry do? How, how do they approach that? Is it we put Conor McCluskey and Chris McKay back there and we'll back two on two in there? Or do they maybe be a bit more conservative and instead of 15, 14 guys attacking up the pitch or 15 because Orhan Lynch goes with them, do they say we're, we're going to keep it a little bit more in order at the back? So mm. I think, look, without a doubt, I think it's going to be the best game of the four provincial finals. 
I think it's two teams that are in really good form again. Again, if, if this was at the start of the Ulster Championship and we got our mad at finished the end of the Division 1 League campaign and relegation, you're saying this is a slam dunk for Derry. I think it's a lot tighter than that. I still, I'd be edging towards Derry to win this game. I think that they have progressed from their breakout year last season when they lost their championship to the confidence about their play as well. And Armagh have been good through the Ulster Championship and getting better, but Derry have as well. Like I, I was very impressed with their game against Monaghan in terms of their how clinical they were up front, but their spread of scores, taking that burden off solely Shane McGuigan. Connor Glass, Ethan Doherty, these guys mm-hmm. coming forward. Definitely. All the players that had good years last year, that you can see the confidence they've all got from the likes of Cassidy, Connor McCluskey, these guys. There's a confidence about them now as well. So I think they're in a really good place. I think they'll win this game, but I think it's going to be, well, I'm hoping it's a brilliant, brilliant game. Um, and I think the contrast the styles between both sets of players, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Does someone try something new in this game? I... Mm. I'm looking forward to it I have to say more so probably the game in Crow Park earlier that day but uh, yeah. I think it'd be a great game to wrap up the end of the Provincial Championships as much as as much as Derry can kind of chip in now from more areas they're still very reliant on McGuigan I think and he has been exceptional like he has had a really good year looks really excellent championships so far like Armagh have to zone in on him if they can take the scores off McGuigan then it, there will come a stage where Derry just won't have that penetration, I think. And the other thing that I would do if I was Armagh, which, and I, I've never played in another championship match, but <laughs> I would keep two up because even when you saw Monaghan put 15 behind the ball against Derry, Derry could still pick holes willy-nilly. Honestly, they had no problem in working a shot. I know that Monaghan... Monaghan was so poor, they were, they were, I know, but even then... Get 12 back. Leave outlets so you can do that transition. Leave leave your Mernon. Leave Grugan. Maybe Reno O'Neill. And I, then I think they will. I think it. Armagh will take that approach. That's I what they do. Intrigued to see. I think they'll gamble. Maybe not all the time, but at certain stages, I think they leave bodies up the pitch. And, and, and this is the point we made with, with Monaghan. Monaghan probably would have been better off doing that instead of asking Conor McManus to come back and, and try and be a bloody wing back. Exactly. Uh, I, I think there will be stages where you'll see Armagh being really brave and keeping guys inside the Derry 45 and trying to nick a turnover. And that, mm-hmm. that's the that's the we said with Clare at the weekend. They were so sloppy in possession. They were kind of naive at times and they turned the ball over and Kerry just killed them. Derry are so good at keeping the ball. Mm-hmm. But if Armagh can turn them over... Get, get some pressure on, try and entice Derry players in down blind alleys and turn them over um, and then just launch a 50-60 yard kick pass inside. I think it could be fascinating to watch. Because um, that Derry full back line, in terms of aerially, they'd rarely get a testing. Do you know, it's not often that the ball would be going in long and high. I think that that's, that's Armagh's main attribute is their hands and their long kicking. Yeah. But if you look at where the managers are coming from in this. Like Rory Kavanagh, if he can do back-to-back Ulster titles, and I know Gallagher. we're saying provincial... What's that? Rory Gallagher. Gallagher, sorry. Delete that. If we can do... If we can... if He'd be saying, if we can do back-to-back Ulster titles, and I know we're saying that the or the provincials are, are less weighted now, but back-to-back Ulsters is a massive feat. And then you look at McGinney, who 
100% needs um, needs a championship medal. So they need to win something. They need to win an Ulster. Like they're under pressure as well. So both teams will seriously need this win, which is going to make it be played in unbelievable but, but intensity. The winners of the weekend, I think, are in contention. That's the way you'd look at it. It's a massive game for both teams. But like mm-hmm. both coaches, where both teams are at, what it will say about both groups, whoever gets over the line on Sunday, I think it's... yeah. I am genuinely... We said it straight away when the semi-finals were on. I'm excited for this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be a brilliant spectacle. Hopefully the weather's good and I think we're going to see we're going to see some big plays and some big gambles from both, both coaches and both teams and I think it's going to be a brilliant watch. Can't wait for it. Uh, Derry Armagh, Clonus, 4 o'clock. It's on BBC Northern Ireland and on RT2. Dublin Loud will be on in Crow Park at 1.45pm. It's on RT2. There's four Talchon Cup games on Sunday. There is four Talchon Cup games on Saturday. Cavan Leash is live on GA Go at 4 o'clock. And the All-Ireland or 20 final, Sligo versus Kildare is in Kingspan Breffany Park at 1.30pm. Another football pod in the books, Paddy and James. Thanks very much for joining us again this week. Looking forward to catching up next Monday. We'll have loads to chat through. Thanks again to everybody who went to the show on Thursday night. Hope you've gone back and looked at it if you haven't or listened to it. And uh, we might see you at the next show. Paddy, James, well done. Talk soon. Right, lads. Great training,